Thanks for tuning in to the Flowbird Transport Podcast, where industry leaders talk about the trends, technologies, and influences shaping the convergence of public and private transport. Welcome to Chapter 1 of Flowbird's Let's Talk About Transport podcast, featuring Thea Fisher from Visa. Thea talks about how contactless open-loop transit payments are transforming the passenger experience and encouraging a modal shift from private to public transport, which in turn is helping to reduce carbon emissions and enabling financial inclusion. We start by hearing from Thea about how she developed her passion for transport. I first got into this space in a little bit of a wayward way, actually. I uh, have an academic background in economic history and English literature, and I was working at a venture capital fund in London, True, where we had at the time a strategic relationship with what was then Visa Europe's open innovation arm. So I was seeing all this really exciting stuff in the business to business, payment technology, financial technology space. And I met a founder who I really liked, who was the founder of a business called Little Pay that he was just setting up at that time. And so I joined as a sort of head of partnerships, jack of all trades, part commercial, part operational person. And Little Pay was a, initially supposed to be a micropayments processor, PSP, payment services provider, which focused on transit and then subsequently other verticals. And in the end, there was so much to do in the transit space that Little Pay just focused on transit. It's the biggest micropayments vertical in the world. So all of the little payments that you make uh, paying for travel on the tube amount to really a ton of transactions worldwide. And I stayed at Little Pay for five years, heading up the commercial function, so with overall P&L responsibility for the business. And then uh, I moved on to do a variety of different things. I spent some time with a really exciting business-to-business educational technology business. But in the end, the allure of the transit space and the payments and transit space was too great. And I came back to that space that I'd so fallen in love with for this role at Visa, which I've been doing for about a year. And my role with Visa is to look at how our value-added services across across the Visa portfolio and, and really focused on Visa's acceptance solutions and how they can enable and add value to the urban mobility ecosystem. And that can mean anything from working on uh, making sure that our mobility and transit transaction or MTT framework is properly adhered to, to looking at services that acquiring banks use that help them process high volume, low transaction value transactions like you see a lot in urban mobility and a variety of other of other uh, services and solutions as well that that can help enable the mobility as a service ecosystem for both card present and card not present transactions. Thanks, Thea. That's uh, it's a fascinating background. Um, I noticed that um Visa's Economic Empower Institute and Thought Lab recently published a research paper called Reimagining Ridership. What was the scope of the survey and why do you think it was important to do this work now? So the Visa Economic Empowerment Institute Reimagining Ridership paper included a survey of 75 transit agencies and 3,000 transit riders across six cities. And the aim is to gauge agency and rider sentiment around transit payments. And I think 
this is a really interesting time to ask these questions because we feel that we've reached a real tipping point in terms of the use of contactless payments and transit. So a few years ago, a lot of the conversation in this space was about whether transit agencies should accept contactless payments in transit or maybe they should invest exclusively in a mobile-only offering. And now that conversation has largely been won, I think, on the side of contactless payments. More than 4 in 10 transit passengers worldwide say that tapping their own debit or credit card to make open-loop contactless fare payments is their preferred fare payment option. We saw in the study that's 42% of respondents said that followed then by tapping a card stored in their mobile wallet, which 39% of respondents said. So I think that conversation's largely closed. So the aim of the study was to look at what happens next and where is rider sentiment taking us and what are agencies going to do. And if you zoom out a little bit from 30,000 foot view, it once you've enabled contactless payments for an urban mobility system in a city or in a country or on a transit network, there's a lot you can do beyond that. Maybe you're looking as an agency or a government to layer in loyalty schemes. Maybe you're looking to try and redirect passenger flows when there's a transit disruption. Or maybe you're looking at issuing a card that will enable the demographic group that's currently underbanked to access inclusivity in a financial system via transit as that first step. So I think that's really what we were trying to look at. What's next? Uh, so what do you think the big takeaways were to come out of the research? So a bunch of different themes came out. And I think probably the most important one is that there's huge benefit to riders by making it easier for people to pay for their public transit. The study found that nearly half of all transit riders surveyed would use public transit more if it were easier to pay to get on board, which is a hugely compelling figure. I mean, what does that mean about potential ridership uplift by focusing on and investing in the ease of that payment journey to get on board? It also demonstrated great benefits to transit agencies. So our conversations with the agencies as part of this research showed that 80% of those surveyed said they reported ridership increases as a result of open-loop fare collection. And, and that was a nearly 10% average ridership increase following the introduction of open-loop payments. So you can see that not only are people and riders seeing the benefit of getting on board more easily, but also transit agencies are seeing the benefit of making it easier for people to get on board more easily. And we can understand why that might be the case. It's just much easier emotionally for you to get on a bus or on a subway system when you've got the method for payment in your pocket and you're not going to have to sit there with a map and a complicated ticket vending machine trying to figure out what products you need to purchase to get to where you're going. So what's the evidence, do you think, that Open Loop is contributing to a better rider experience? I'm not just talking about the numbers of riders potentially, but... What else could uh, – where, where, where is the other evidence that um, overall the passenger experience is better? I think we, we saw really strong positive sentiment from our surveys of those riders relating to them using their contactless payment card to pay for transit. So 
we not only do is that reflected in the VEI data set or data set that operators like Transport for London publish about shifts in ridership, shifts in usage away from cash, away from closed loop smart cards towards uh, open loop when it's available as an option for payment. But we also saw more than four in 10 pass- transit passengers saying that tapping their own credit or debit card to make fare payments is just their preferred payment option. So I think we see that sentimentally people really like paying with the product that's already in their pocket that maybe they use to buy a coffee, whether that's their Apple Pay um, on their phone or their Visa debit card in their pocket. This concludes Chapter 1 of this podcast. You can listen to the whole episode on the Flowbird website by going to flowbird.group or head to Chapter 2, where we find out about the transformative effect of open loop when it's applied in a real-world environment and how it could be an enabler for mobility as a service.